0: thank you for tuning in to hill country fellowship's audio podcast we hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today for more information visit us online at hcfburnit.org we're in our uh, revelation series Today we're in Revelation chapter 3, if you want to turn there, um, we're going to cover the first, uh, actually uh, verses 7 through 13, uh, as we look at the church in Philadelphia, and uh, as we've been talking about, you know, this, this letter of Revelation was written by Jesus to the churches, and then it's dispersed in that area that is modern day Turkey, you know, along a trade route, and so they'd each get they'd have their week at it in essence, maybe two weeks. I don't know how long it took to, to move it around. But, but really each church would, would read the whole book of Revelation. It's just that there was a part specifically set for them. And, and I'm sure that if you were here last week, or if you know anything about uh, Thyatira and Sardis, uh, after those two churches get their letter read to them, Philadelphia is probably like, oh no, <laughs> those were not good letters and they're dead and dying. What's going to happen to us? But at the same time, they knew, you know what? We're not doing those things. Uh, we're doing pretty good. We're, we're a little weak. Um, But that's not a knock on our character. So they probably had some measure of hope. Um, And then once they started listening to Jesus' words to them, they probably got a little giddy up in their step uh, because there's nothing but positive for them. And so I'm going to read verses 7 through 12 to start us off. It says, write this message to the angel. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true the one who has the key of david in other words i've got power i've got authority and in that i am personal and intimate that's the key of david this this personal intimate powerful god what he opens no one can close and what he closes no one can open i know all the things you do and i've opened a door for you so that no one that no one can close you have little strength yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me look i will force those who belong to satan's synagogue those liars who say they are jews and are not to come and bow down at your feet not to worship the people but to honor and revere god recognize god in front of these true worshipers that's what he's saying there They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love because you have obeyed my command to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. So what we're seeing here, what we have seen through all of Scripture, through the book of Revelation, what we see in our lives as we live on planet Earth is that God's desire is to always be your God. And that's what he's specifically telling the Philadelphia church here. And when you live faithful to what, to what Jesus asks of us as followers, that gets fulfilled. When you live faithful to this word and to Jesus as king and the, and the, the counsel and guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit in you, God's desire is fulfilled. His greatest desire for all of creation is that he would get to be your God. And not to lord over you, because he didn't have to lord over anything. He's the creator God. He doesn't need those kind of kudos or, ch- or you know, uh, you know uh, to-do list things that make him feel better about himself. He's, he's perfectly fine with who he is. His favorite thing is to be your God. And so we have some Philadelphia takeaways today that are gonna be woven all throughout uh, the, the message and, and really through this, this passage here. First is that Jesus is in charge. He's the one. He's it. No one even gets to bow up to him. Uh, Someone tried that once, got booted out of heaven like lightning. So uh, no one has a shot at bowing up to Jesus. Number two, Jesus opens the door, which is our big idea today, that Jesus opened the door. And we're going to see what that means. And number three, a little strength is enough. If your eyes are fixed on Jesus. A little strength is not enough if your eyes are fixed on how you can fix yourself. Okay? If our eyes are fixated, fixed, set on Jesus, a little strength is all we need. We see that in Scripture. It's actually very biblical. So these takeaways, they're, they're woven throughout uh, our life in Christ. They're woven throughout all of Scripture. And certainly woven throughout uh, this message here today. And so it's not gonna be a one, two, three. We're gonna look at bullet points, which isn't a bad thing. It's just we're gonna look at it as we kinda come and go here. But Jesus is talking to this church of little strength with a synagogue of Satan contending against them in a pagan city. And he says, You're still alive. Way to go. You're still alive, you're still breathing. You're still following me. Your faith is still there. You have not faltered. You have not given up. And these people, they're probably, as a church, probably very looked down on by culture. Certainly, uh, they're harassed and, and treated poorly, mistreated by, by, by religion, by the Jews um, that were in the area. That's who Jesus speaks about. They probably weren't made of a lot of movers and shakers in the community so they had less influence than a lot because uh, they weren't getting involved in the, in the pagan rituals and worship or in, in, in Jewish religion. But despite its weakness, this church remained faithful. And Jesus was telling him, hey, I know things are hard around you and, and very often hard on you, but you're doing great. I mean, isn't that the coolest word? Like, Jesus saying, I get get what you're going through, but you're doing so good. That's very uh, uplifting to hear. He's saying, you're still here. You're still going. You still trust and believe and have faith in me. You have all the power you need because I provided for you. That's why you get to live spirit empowered. Jesus spoke life and hope. He spoke encouragement and truth. So how many here would say, I, I need a little of that today in my life and where I'm, where I'm living. Who, who needs some life spoken into their life? Anybody struggling right now in some way, you, just, you need some hope, encouragement? Just, just somebody to come along and say, I, I, I see, I see where you are. I know it's tough. Let's just, let's just take a moment and receive some life and hope and encouragement from the Spirit of the living God. If you're here today, and maybe you're online or you're listening on the radio too, you, you can join in. But if you're here today and you would just love some life or hope or, or encouragement just spoken into you or dropped on you by the living God, would you just stand for a moment? I'm just gonna pray over us. I'm there too. I had a week of being angry at the America around me and uh, it didn't go well with my soul. I just, I I steamrolled and it just, and I was like, oh my word, I need to stop this. And he's like, yeah, you can't because you're flesh. So just submit. That's how you stop. I'm like, that's a better idea. So let's just receive. You can put your hands up. You can, whatever you need. Let's just receive. I don't know where all of you are with stuff or what's going on, but I really believe God said, I just wanna, I just wanna download hope and encouragement and, and a life to those who follow me. So, so Lord, we're just, we're just your sons and daughters right here. Some of us have little strength in what we're going through. Some of us, with a little hope. Some of us, uh, we just, uh, we don't doubt you, but we doubt something around us, how it's gonna work out. We just, we just need you. Some of us, were just tired. We're just tired. Would you just meet us where we are and if you need to speak something specific into our, into our minds and hearts, would you just drop that on us right now? And I pray, God, that all across this room that you would be speaking specific things. I love you. I'm for you. I see you. I've got that. Keep walking. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't quit on that. Don't quit on that. Watch me work in that situation, in that setting, in that person's life, in that job, in that struggle with your your child or your family. Watch me work. Just keep looking at me. Lord, may we live in courage that when, I, when we're weak, you're strong, less of us and more of you. I pray we would walk out of here the most hope-filled people in Burnett County because you met us here where we are. For those who have questions and they're presenting something to you and they can't get an answer, would you answer them, God? Give them a peace, give them a direction, give them a word. Have somebody come in and give them a word. Would you right now meet us where we are? I thank you and we praise your name. Thank you for being a personal God, an intimate God who's all powerful and full of all authority. In your name we pray. Amen. So here's the thing. Jesus, he strengthens you and I with words of hope and encouragement from his heart for you. And and the truth that, that will guide us and keep us free. And he does all that for a reason. Not just so we'll have it easy, but so that we'll, we'll do something with the guidance and the leadership and the, and the hope that, that, that moves us forward in him that we would walk through those doors that he opens. And those doors that he's talking about here, and those doors that he talks about in scripture are always doors of evangelism. Now, evangelism looks a lot of different ways. It's not just standing on the street corner, you know, telling the salvation story or, or handing somebody a Roman's road track, and I'm not knocking those. But evangelism is, is broad. But it is about Jesus for a person to either know Jesus or grow in Jesus or have something uh, big change and, and transform in their lives. Your testimony of how Jesus saved you or, or your story of what he did in your life this week what he's done in your marriage what he's what he's what he's sharing with you it's it's it is your testimony always but sometimes we just think that word is the one time salvation your testimony is also your story of God moving in and through your life as you live on purpose for him maybe it's just your growth i was here and then I was here and then all of a sudden I just started reading scripture and getting involved in community and wow, Jesus has just grown me in him. And you're just telling someone about that. Maybe it's someone who does need Jesus for the first time. So it's a salvation offer that he gives and you're just lovingly telling them about, about an eternal choice they can make. There's a lot more to evangelism than than just the plan of salvation but those doors that Jesus is talking about here and really all through the New Testament whenever he talks about a door being opened is always for evangelism so we got to ask the question how are we doing with this how are you doing with living evangelistic and walking through the doors that Jesus provides for you As you follow the one who saved your soul eternally, how are you doing living on mission for him? That's a question that we need to take inventory of and ask, Lord, am I I doing this or am I just living a good life and reading the word and then just kind of doing a good thing uh, like a good uh, Texas kind of conservative good person does? because it's got to be more than just doing a good thing. It's got to be living on mission for him. In 2 Corinthians 2.12, Paul talks about how, how God opened a door to allow him in this one place that looked like there was no way to then just preach the gospel. In Acts 14.27, we read that, that God opened a door and made a way for every person in the history of the planet From that moment to whatever the last person's gonna be to know him, he made a way where there was no way. Paul writes in in Colossians 4, verses three and four that that we are told by Paul, he says, you have to ask God to open a door for you. It It is one of the things that we are required by God to do as believers, as followers, as saved sons and daughters, God, open a door for me to share my life with that person, to to minister to, to someone that I don't know, I don't even know who you want me to minister to, but I've got to minister hope to someone. Or maybe, God, open a door so that I can serve and give my life away in a ministry that matters most to you, Jesus. You don't just sit back and go, well, when the door's gonna be open, the door's gonna be open. Now, God can do that, but we're told to pray for that. Look for doors. He always opens doors for us, and we're called to walk through them. And every opportunity that He opens for us is big and serious and can be eternal altering. Every door open should be treated as highly valuable, like this is God's moment for me to do what is on the creator God's heart for this person or that family or, or, or this ministry. And I've got an opportunity to do it. Plain and simple, once Jesus opens the door, you have to walk through it. Because if I don't walk through a door he opens, I'm living in disobedience. Same goes for you. These are big opportunities, and times are big right now, like things are getting closer to the end, number one, because we're just a day away from where we were yesterday, so we naturally are getting closer to the end, but it, it kind of looks like it too, and I don't know what that means, uh, but every day gets closer to the end, and certainly for everybody who's breathing, we got one less day of living, uh, barring Jesus coming back while we're alive, but times are dark, right, and they're really weird, and and for a lot of people, they're hard. But that just means that the end is closer and the enemy is frantic. Because the enemy knows, like when God pulls down the curtain, I'm done. I don't have one more fight in me. I have one more big loss in me. That's all I've got. So the enemy's frantic because all he wants to do is wreak havoc and, and, and pull people down to his level. But it's prime time for seeing people ministered to and people saved. And so doors are gonna be opened nonstop for us as a church to walk through, for you as a family to walk through, for you as individuals to walk through. And again, it's gonna be you telling your story or it's gonna be you serving in a way. In Matthew 5, Verses 13 through 16, Jesus talked about what it means to live on mission for Him and who we are as His, as his followers and representatives because we're ambassadors for Christ. And, and He says this in Matthew 5, verse 13, You are the salt of the earth. What that means is salt both gives something flavor and delays decay. So you are are delaying the decay of humanity by how you live on mission for Jesus so that more can come to know him. You're good in Jesus. You're saved. You're set. Your eternity is already being prepared for you by God. So you living as salt is for someone else who doesn't know him. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Hey, walk through that door so you don't lose your flavor. Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. So don't live a worthless life here just because you're saved there. And then you are the light of the world, Jesus says, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house, So you are a light that is meant to be seen in the the most fashioned way ever. Like people can see from a distance. People can, like it lights up the room. It's spectacular. It's not just something under under a, a, a basket or something like, I think there might be a light under there. You are meant to be seen, not because of you, but because of who you represent. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Your salt and light. Just give him what you've got. Give him your heart and life, and then walk through the open doors. It reminds me of the fishes and loaves story that we we know it's in it's in uh, different gospel versions, but the the one in John chapter six uh, includes the little boy. I assume he's a little boy, the young the young kid uh, in the story, and and basically he comes. He's like, hey, I I know you're trying to feed five thousand plus. And I got a light lunch. But here, Jesus, everything I have is yours. Probably had no idea what he was going to do with it. Or certainly, probably, I, I doubt that he figured he could like, feed five to 12,000 people. But he said, hey, it's, it's all I've got. But it's, it's completely yours, Jesus. When we have Jesus and we present to Jesus whatever it is that we have in us, for the sake of the good news being shared and told so that others can discover their purpose in life and then, and then live in real joy in and because of Jesus. When we do that, we're walking through doors. That's you and I walking through doors. I don't have to go hunt for a door. Jesus opens a door. Like if Jesus opens a door for you, it's probably going to be pretty, pretty obvious. Just walk through it. And he only ever opens doors. He didn't open windows. I know there's a song, and I'm not going to diss on the song, but when God closes a door, he opens another door. The only window we get in the Bible is when the guy fell asleep because Paul was boring and he died. And then Paul laid on him and he came back to life. So don't look for a window. Bible will tell us you'll die. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but... Hey, when you just give Jesus what you've got and you trust him with it, that's enough. That little is enough. Believers with a little strength, trusting in a perfect God is a great recipe for success. Believing in and following Jesus also means that you and I are gonna face opposition. And I'm not saying that to be like, dun dun dun. It just is what it is. If you're following Jesus and keeping his word and sharing his good news, living on mission by walking through those open doors, expect opposition because the enemy despises that and religion can't handle you living full of joy following Jesus. Satan doesn't want anyone saved, he hates humanity. He hates that we're the object of God's affection and love. So he wants us to be lost and miserable. So when you're walking through doors, he's going to oppose you. I mean, these two churches that we've read so far in Revelation, there's two churches that had nothing negative said about them. And both of them, Jesus said, you got to deal with the synagogue of Satan in your midst, like in your city. That's tough. So it makes me ask a kind of a very personal question. Am I facing any opposition in my life in following Jesus? Because if I'm not, I have to go, well, maybe it's because I'm fully blended into the world around me. Maybe it's because I look nothing different than a lost world around me, than a broken culture, than a self-worshiping people if there's no opposition. And I don't wanna go looking for a fight or picking a fight but, but the world should in some manner oppose my love of Jesus and my life found in Jesus. And religion is certainly going to oppose it. Because religion is man being in charge of worship and a relationship with Jesus opposes that because it's about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus alone. And, and the opposition that they were facing, again, it came from the religious. It came from the, the Jews who said they were believers, but Jesus said they weren't. For us, we don't deal with necessarily Jewish opposition where we live, but there's religious opposition. People that say things like, don't rock the boat. It's fun to fit in. You know, I only want to stand out if, the, you know, if, if culture around me thinks I'm awesome and they raise me up. That's what religion says. Colossians 1, 21 through 23, Paul's writing and, it, and uh, he gets very clear about how we're supposed to live and look as believers. And he says, true Christians, those believers who follow Jesus and, and follow his teaching right here in the word, true Christians will firmly stand for what is right. And then we will graciously speak to and speak about what's wrong. We look at the the landscape around us, the culture we're in, because we're in the world, not of it. Don't be of it. And we firmly stand for what is true. But we also graciously speak to what is wrong. Hey, that's a, that's a wrong lifestyle. You cannot live in sin with another human being and, and have sexual relationship or fornication, according to the word, with someone just because you're testing the waters. Hey, those babies are created by God. We need to protect their lives. So we're gonna protect them from the moment that they're created in the womb hey, you can't, you can't be stealing from, from your job just because your boss is a jerk uh, and just to get something back and he won't give you a raise. So you can't be doing that. We speak to what is wrong in grace. So I don't wanna go bash people over the head with stuff, but they do need to know what is right and wrong according to Jesus, not me. And Paul says that that's what we do. That's what he's saying in Colossians 1. He says, He says this, we were once far away from Jesus. We were his enemies. That's before Jesus. But he reconciled us to God by dying in our place. He made a way where there was no way. And now we're holy and blameless before God in right relationship with him. So Paul says, because of all that, we stand firm in our belief. And he says, don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Stay the course is what Paul's telling us. We've even seen it through this uh, certain letters, a number of the letters, basically Jesus is like, keep walking, stay the course, don't get off track, don't compromise your life, don't drift, don't blend in, don't go down some bunny path that the world wants you to go down Stay the course. I'm opening the doors, walk through my doors and stay on my path. And his word will guide our path according to the Psalms. It lights up the path even when it's dark. It's, it's hard to take this, but if I blend in or drift or, or go down a bunny path, I place myself in a compromise zone. Don't place yourself in a compromise zone because that's when you begin to take on the beliefs of the world rather than give the world the light they need in Jesus. So it makes you think. I, I mean, it's, it's hard when, when Paul writes that because he says, don't drift away. He's talking to the church. Don't drift away from the assurance you received. I mean, we're, we're told in the Bible that That at the end of of time, that believers will begin to fade away and lose their faith and walk away. It's called apostasy, if you want a bigger word for it. But it it just means that we fall away from belief in and faith in Jesus. So so we have to guard that, which is why we have community. Community is huge. Gathering here is huge. Being involved in small caring community is huge. Giving our lives away is huge. Being in scripture is huge. Worshiping the living God is huge. Keeping ourselves on those paths that he, he calls us to be on. And what would happen if throughout the world, all of us Jesus churches looked for every open door from Jesus and just boldly walked on through to give hope to the hopeless, to give help to those in need. To to light up the darkness where people are, are living or just bumping into walls. To offer forgiveness from Jesus for sin and iniquity. What would it be like if we just, every Jesus church just said, I'm gonna go give hope and help and light it up and tell them about forgiveness. Can you imagine the transforming nature of every culture? If churches would live that way versus hunker down or point fingers or be like, no, 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 I think it means this in the Greek, you know, not that that's wrong, but, but getting so bogged down in religion that we forget a relationship to give away to others. And then Jesus ends his encouragement to the, to the Philadelphia church who are in the midst of struggle with this verse He's saying, I know it's hard, but you're doing so good. And then he says in verse 13, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. The ushers are going to be in to hand out communion elements. And so when you get those, just hang on to them. We'll take communion in a moment. Those are powerful words. He's He's spoken that in, in various places already in Revelation, and he says it once again to this church that hasn't faltered, It is doing really good. But know this, these words written 2,000-ish years ago are current words for you today, for me when I wake up in the morning. These are words from Jesus to you If you have ears to hear from Jesus, you must listen. You take it in because the Spirit is talking. He's there inside of you, dwelling in you to be your comfort and your counsel. And then if you understand what it's saying, you'll live it out. So he's saying here, walk through the doors. It's okay that you have a little strength. Just keep your eyes on me. I'm gonna make things right and I'm gonna deal with with ones who don't believe in me and attack you. Don't worry about that. Revenge is not your thing. Fighting back is not your worry. You don't even have to defend yourself. I do that. But you walk through the doors that I have for you. Jesus is saying to you and I, I want you to hear this. I, I want you to do this. I want you to be faithful to me. I want you to keep my word. I I want you to proclaim my word. I want you to go through those open doors of opportunity and stay the course. I want you to show yourself faithful to me. And as you do, I will walk with you and I will cover you. I'm your protector. You don't have to worry about anything. If you're walking the path and doing the things that I'm asking you to do, you don't have to worry about a thing. I've got it and I've got you. In Matthew 28, when Jesus is is uh, at the very end of the passage, we get the Great Commission. So he's taking his followers up on the, the hillside and he's, he's laying down the Great Commission and he tells them all the stuff that they need to be doing as he's gonna leave. He says, you go and you, you proclaim the gospel and go to the ends of the earth and, and you, you baptize them and you teach them and, and you see them you know, come to know Jesus and make disciples. He ends with this. If you'll live on mission, I'll give you everything you need. Remember, Jesus says, I'm with you always to the very end. So, a question for us today where do you need to start walking through and living on mission? You, not your neighbor or your spouse, maybe all it together. Where do you need to, to, to start walking through those doors and living on mission? Maybe. You need to join a team somewhere and serve. Maybe you don't get, maybe you're not involved anymore, maybe you've never been involved. One way to walk through an open door is to start serving people and just generously giving away your time and your talents. In youth, Wednesday nights, they just need good people who want to just give their lives away and love on middle school and high school. In kids' ministry, they just need people who want to tell kids about Jesus. If you know Jesus, you can talk about Jesus. Maybe it's serving meals. You're on a hospitality team that serves meals to Wednesday night live with uh, the ministry that goes on you know, over there with the adults or Wednesday night live, you know, the food and we, we have all the kids and they eat or you're just on a, a, a hospitality team that, that provides meals for membership class and you're just like, hey, I just want to serve people. Maybe you want to be a greeter. And just say hello to people and they walk in the door, point them in the right direction. Maybe you need to tell your story to somebody who needs to know Jesus. That's the door he keeps opening for you. And you're just scared to walk it through. And he's saying, walk through and just tell him about me. You know me. I saved you. You know who you were before when you were far from me and my enemy. And you know what I've done to save you. Tell that person about that story. Maybe you just need to invite people who are not involved in church to come and sit in church with you and hear about a loving, grace-filled God who forgives sins. Or maybe it's people who come to church, but they don't really do anything else. They're not involved in any kind of a small caring community. So you invite them to your life group. Or when Wednesday Night Live starts in a couple of Wednesdays, you invite them to come there and just say, hey, we're going to feed you. And then we're just going to walk through the New Testament together and and talk about it together as a group, you know, while Scott and Sarah lead that teaching time and and we just learn about the New Testament together. What door is he opening? Or do you know is open? Or do you need to pray for him to open and then walk through it? Because that's living out the gospel. That's understanding. And as we take communion today and and we remember what Jesus did just to save us eternally. Those who live on mission are truly remembering and honoring that. He tells us to take communion, the Lord's Supper, to remember. But if we're not living on mission, we're, we're tainting the memory of it. So he says, when you take communion, remember what I did. And then I ask you to do the same by laying your life down. And Jesus prepared us to to walk through the open doors by telling us that taking communion is is signing up on his team. Because Paul tells us that when Jesus told him all about the Lord's Supper, that there's a point where he said, when you do this, every time you do this, you're declaring my death, resurrection, and victory. So Jesus says, hey, when you take communion as believers in me, you're walking billboards for me. So Jesus, he took the bread and he gave thanks for it. And he said, God, I, you know, he was, he's the bread, but when he took it with the, with the disciples, he said, thank you for this bread that you've given us. And thank you that for them, it represents what I'm about to do. I give my life in place of them so they don't have to pay for their sins. And then I give my blood to forgive them. He does both. He substituted himself. That's the the bread we take. We remember his substitution on the cross. And he just said, God, thank you for allowing me to do it. And he just tore it and he gave it. And every one of them he gave it to, they were gonna abandon him in some way. Gives it to Peter You're going to deny me three times, but I'm going to make it right with you. Gave it to Judas, the one who sold him out for money. He didn't hold it back. But he said, every time you take this bread, if you've got your bread, hold it up, your your cracker. Every time you take this, remember that he gave himself on the cross for you. He took your place. He substituted his perfect life as a payment so you'd never have to pay. So, Jesus, we thank you for your body in our place, and we take the bread now. Then he took the cup, passed it around, and he said, This red beverage represents my holy blood that will be spilled fully to cover your sins my body substituted for your sentence my blood forgives you for all time so Jesus thank you for your forgiveness of my sins you hold them against me no more and you don't even remember them take your cup say thank you to Jesus thank you Jesus And Jesus promises that that we'll be empowered to walk through every door He opens in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when He says, you, if you'll stand with me right now, we're going to worship in a moment. You, Jesus says, will receive power from the Holy Spirit who comes upon you. And when you do, you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Burnett County, throughout the great state of Texas, in these United States, and to the far ends of the earth. That's what we get to live out if we will walk through those open doors. So Jesus, we worship you now. I thank you that you paid it all. I owe nothing, and I'm required to do nothing more than look to you, believe in you, and follow you all the days of my life. And it's so much better when I do it with family around me. So we worship you now, and we thank you for your love and your grace, your mercy and forgiveness. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. God bless and have a great week.